This program is not intended to constitute legal advice and is for general educational purposes only. If you do need legal advice, please contact your own attorney. Good morning and welcome to the Essential HR Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gorman, here today with Kate Legrand from Alliance Pro Advisors. And I'm excited about today's episode. We're going to focus on small business and um, what they're facing right now, some of the challenges and trends and, and topics. And and um, we have an expert in, in the field here today. Um, Kate um, is a, a good friend of mine and, and, and excited to have her as part of the podcast. So welcome, Kate. Thank you so much, Brian, for having me on. I'm so, so excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, so, Kate, why don't you give a little bit of, about your story, your background, and um, how you came to, to be the owner of Alliance Pro Advisors, and maybe just share a little bit about your story. Well, I started out uh, working for a um, financial planner who had the vision of opening a one-stop financial shop with wealth management, insurance, um, tax preparation and um, bookkeeping and absolutely loved it. It was a joy to go to work every day. Uh, eventually he became ill and had to shut down the business. So then I ended up uh, working for a venture capitalist in Indianapolis, Mark Hill, who uh, had operational control of five entities and he hired me to be the outsourced controller for uh, these entities. They were all startups in the tech world. Mm. And I did that for, for two and a half years and, and, and Mark got tired of, of playing VC and decided that he wanted to go spend more time on the beat. <laughs> and, um, and he went to a more passive investment model as a venture capitalist, um, investing through groups like Halo. Um, and uh, so at that point I went on to Milestone Ad, uh, Advisors mm. and they do outsource controllership. Uh, worked for them for a year and a half uh, and decided I missed the tax world. So I made the jump back into a CPA firm to prepare taxes. I was also doing uh, some outsource controllership with clients on my own. And that's really the seed of Alliance Pro Advisors. At that point, um, I started growing that business and eventually left the CPA firm. And I have been doing outsourced controllership, CFO services, bookkeeping, and payroll for 11 years now. Mm, fantastic. That's, that's wonderful. Um, so when you're dealing with small businesses, Kate, what do, what, do you, um, what do you see some of the challenges right now? I think we talked earlier about um, obviously COVID being kind of the, the topic of, of the day, but wanted to see maybe what, you know, what besides that, and that's obviously in the, on the front of everybody's mind, but what other challenges are, do you see maybe in today's small business world, what, um, what some of them are facing? The number one challenge that I see small businesses uh, deal with is sourcing qualified labor. Um, you know, money is always tight. You can always get cheap labor, uh, but it's not cost effective in the long run to go the cheap route. Now, COVID obviously has created a lot of unemployment. So there's, there's a lot more qualified people in the labor pool, but employees tend to be a little hesitant to work with small businesses because they don't have, you know, the big corporate benefit package that comes along with it. So that um, providing benefits for their employees tends to be 
a big stumbling block for small businesses. The insurance companies have the big corporate plans, but they want you to have at least 50 employees to have a corporate plan. Um, I try to work with small businesses to help them find options to overcome that barrier. Uh, one of those is, is short-term short renewable um, policies. That can, that can carry you for three years because the short-term policies, short-term medical policies are renewable for, for three years. Another is uh, reimbursing the employees for their expenses for having their insurance on the exchange. Um, but there are other, uh, other options that, that we tend to, to find for small businesses, but you just have to work within the parameters and needs of the business. But having those options in place really helps you source better talent uh, than you could otherwise. That's really the number, the number one issue you're seeing. Is there anything yeah. else that you, you see from, um, from small business as well? Um, well, one issue that businesses come to me, a big question that they come to me with is, wouldn't it be easier if I just 1099 all of my employees? Mm. And that is sometimes yes, sometimes no. Sure. Uh, the entre you know, entrepreneurs, what we're all about, I, I own two other businesses besides Alliance ProAdvisor. So I see things through the eyes of the entrepreneur. And I understand that our job is to control costs, to, to source resources and control costs. Mm. Well, when an entrepreneur set, sees, oh, 1099 contractor, I don't have to pay social security tax. You know, sometimes the wrong light bulb goes off. <laughs> um, sure. Sometimes a contract employee is appropriate. Sometimes it is not. Mm. Um, there are federal and state regulations that come into play. Uh, and you have to look at both of those. Um, there are it, there have been Supreme Court decisions which have defined who is an appropriate W-2 employee and who is not. Mm. Um, and I, I typically go through those, those parameters with, with the business owner to help them determine if their scenario fits the legal framework for, to meet that qualification. Mm. That's part of your overall process when you meet with a, with a small business. So maybe talk a little bit about that if you, if you don't mind. How, what's your process like? Say I own a small business, I come to you and, and Alliance Pro Advisors. What does, that, what does that look like when you're sitting down to meet with someone for the first time? Well, the, the, the first thing that I do is I, I try to get to know their business as a whole. It, uh, you know, we, we're accountants, um, but we try to take it beyond putting numbers in little boxes and spitting out reports. Mm. In order to be a qualified advisor, we need to understand as much as possible about your business, about the culture of your business, what your product is, who your target market is, um, what your ownership structure is, your potential liabilities from a legal perspective. Mm. Um, it all, uh, factors into your financial decisions. And what we try to provide at Alliance Pro Advisors is more than a net income number at the end of the month. What we try to do is, is provide you the information that you need to make 
the best business decisions that you can. Oh, fantastic. Um, so when you, when you have those meetings and you're starting the, the process with, with someone, um, do you typically have a, another, another meeting, like weekly meetings with, with small business owners or what does your, how's that typically work? I prefer to meet with my business owners no less than once a month. Mm. Um, I do have clients that like a weekly meeting to go over cash position and, and AP and, and accounts receivable. Um, I think that that's a good plan. That's good management to, to look at those things in conjunction with your accountant at least once a week. Mm. Um, some people just don't have time or sure. a lot of people have an intuitive sense of what's going on in their business so they don't feel that that's necessary. Um, sometimes your intuition can serve you well. Sometimes it can lead you astray. So, mm -hmm. you know, my preference is more often than less. Mm, absolutely. Um, so we talked a little bit about some of the challenges. What are some of the trends um, that you're seeing in, in the small business world? I know that uh, obviously COVID um, has really kind of turned the you know, table on a lot of what we're doing day to day, but um, you know, what trends are you seeing in, in the small business world? Um, and it can really be any, any type of a trend that you see. Well, the big trend I think um, is outsourcing. Mm. Um, more and more businesses are outsourcing their services for a number of reasons. One is cost control, but, but again, COVID plays into that. If, if you, one of the best ways to control infection is to keep people from meeting up. And if they're working from remotely, then they're not going to pass any, any viruses. Um, and that, you know, actually is helpful in a number of ways that keeps other infections down besides just COVID. I mean, you're not going to have sure. a flu pandemic in, in your office if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> if, if they're not together. Um, another trend is, is increased infection control measures. I mean, uh, if you have a retail store, you might have to find a way to keep customers from becoming too close together. Um, another is, is looking at your product and making sure that, you know, it doesn't create additional liability for you. Um, there are businesses bringing up, one is a client of mine, Tetra Group, that are focusing on innovative methods to control infection. Um, you know, there are, there are hand sanitizers that protect or prevent infection for hours after application. There are methods of fumigating the workplace to, to kill viruses and germs. Um, and I think that that's gonna be a whole industry that's gonna spring up a, a consulting with businesses to help them control infection within the workplace. Well, absolutely. And I was thinking too, as you were talking, um, you know, about some of the compliance uh, issues that might be facing small business. I know you mentioned the 1099 W2. Um, and maybe do you, is there more to add there, Kate, that you want to maybe talk about in, in, in that um, as it relates to that? Well, I think that there are some basic um, facts that business owners need to be aware of with, with this issue. Um, if you have 1099 employees, there is a $600 threshold. So if you just pick up a casual employee to do uh, maybe, you know, weed the, the landscaping out front. If you're not paying them more than $600, then you don't have to worry about issuing them a 1099 miscellaneous. Um, if you do break that threshold, you have to provide a 1099 miscellaneous form to them, and that is also reported to the IRS. 
and the contractors um, must furnish a valid taxpayer ID to mm -hmm. you. Um, now for the contractor themselves, I highly recommend that they obtain their own EIN because when you are a contract employee, you really are a sole proprietor. You are in business for yourself and you will have to file that income on a Schedule C, which is uh, the form for sole proprietors. Um, and there will be expenses that you can deduct against that income that you can't as an employee. Now, the reason that I recommend that you get the EIN is that you will also have to provide the business owner a um, form called a W-9. And that W-9 asks for either your social security number or an employer ID number. Now, in today's environment, it's a really good idea to keep your social security number as private as possible. So if you have a taxpayer, taxpayer ID number, uh, employer ID number, it's called an EIN, then you can put that number on your W-9, you're 100% in compliance doing so, and your social security number stays private. Um, now, as a contractor, you will have to pay self-employment taxes. This is essentially both halves of the Social Security and Medicare tax. So under the traditional W-2 employment arrangement, the employer pays half, the employee pays half. But under the 1099 arrangement, the contractor pays both. So uh, it's very important for the contractor to understand that that tax hit is coming and to make uh, quarterly payments on their uh, contract income uh, prior to the end of the tax year so that they don't end up with underpayment penalties. Um, now, one of the things that we talked about is that uh, small business owners tend to think of the independent contractor arrangement as being a panacea. Oh, I don't have to pay the social security tax. That's going to say, I don't have to pay payroll processing fees. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not really, there are drawbacks to that as well. Um, that relationship is merely contractual. Uh, and if you make the wrong judgment as to whether or not that employee is, is is qualified to be a contractor under tax law and labor law, then the government can come back and penalize you, charge you for the unpaid taxes, including the employees withholding taxes. The Social Security tax and the Medicare tax, plus there are very substantial penalties involved for underpayment of those taxes. Mm. So it can be a huge fit, pitfall. Um, I have known uh, people who have lost their homes because mm. they were not able, they made the wrong judgment call and they were not able to, make, to pay that, the taxes and the penalties. Um, so how do we decide what is, who qualifies? The Supreme Court has defined several parameters. One is the extent to which the services rendered are an integral part of the principal's business. So it's unquestionable that 
an ancillary service like accounting, like payroll, like um, legal consult, um, occasional labor, um, someone coming in to make a repair on your business, those things unquestionable, they can be 1099 contractors. But if someone is working in your main business, that is one factor that would lead the court to decide that they are not qualified to be a contractor. Another factor is the permanency of the relationship. If it is a one-off uh, short-term task that needs to be done, mm -hmm. that lends credence to the idea that it is a contract arrangement, is properly a contract arrangement. Um, another factor is the amount of the contractor's investment in facilities and equipment. If the employer is providing all the tools, provides the place to work, it is a central part of their business, and this, this person is employed indefinitely, the court's probably going to lean toward the W-2. Mm. Um, another factor is the contractor's opportunity for profit and loss. If that contractor uh, is taking a business risk in taking you on as a client, if that contractor has other clients of your type, of, of, of the same type, then the court or the IRS, whoever's making the decision, is going to lean toward, yes, this, this person truly is a vendor, he is a service provider, he's in business for himself, so yes, that person is a contractor. Um, another factor is the amount of initiative, judgment, and foresight required for that person to succeed as a contractor. And are they in competition with other people offering the same service? Mm. So that, you know, that le lends credence to the idea that this person owns their own business, is in business for themselves. Yes, it is contractual agreement. Um, and the, the final factor is the degree of independent business organization and operation. So um, if this person is just coming in to your office every day, giving the tests, the tasks that you assign to them, and they go home at the end of the day and they don't have to think about it anymore, oh, that sounds more like an employee. Mm -hmm. But if that person works in their own office, they come in and they consult with you on something, they, it requires them to have their own marketing, their own files, their own bookkeeping, they're probably a contractor. Mm. Um, some factors that, are, that don't play into that decision that the IRS or the court would not consider uh, in making this decision is the location where the work is performed. The work can be performed in their own office. It can be performed on site. That's irrelevant. Um, whether or not there's a formal employment agreement is not relevant. You don't have to have anything in writing to be an independent contractor. Now, as a business advisor, I would tell you, you need to have an agreement right, right, sure. <laughs> for other reasons, <laughs> sure. but that does not play into the decision as to whether or not you're an independent contractor or an employee. Um, whether or not the independent contractor has a license, that's irrelevant. Mm. IRS does not care. Court does not care. And the time or the mode of payment, IRS does not care about that either. They don't care how often you get paid. That does not make a decision make a determination into the decision whether they are independent contractor or employee. Now, from the contractor's perspective, there are a couple of pitfalls that we need to talk about. Uh, because it is a, 
contractual arrangement, um, the contractor is not protected by the Fair Labor Standards Act. So they are not protected by minimum wage laws, overtime laws, youth employment laws. Um, they're also not protected by the American Americans with Disabilities Act. Mm -hmm. They're not protected by OSHA. Um, they are not eligible for, until COVID, they were not eligible for unemployment compensation. And I think we'll probably return to that pretty quickly. Sure. Um, they're not protected by workman's comp. And they generally are not eligible for corporate benefits. So those are the downsides to being an independent contractor. Um, there are a lot of pluses because you have your independence, um, you have diversity of income. Sure. Um, so, but you know, everything, it's all about what fits you best. Such great information. That, that's fantastic. Um, so, and Kate, a little bit too, I know you mentioned um, the outsourcing trend that you're seeing. What besides, um, you know, the maybe CFO services, uh, what other items or, or um, you know, business functions do you see outsourcing? I know payroll is one, obviously, but what else do you, mm -hmm. do you see? Well, a lot of businesses are outsourcing their employee functions that are an integral part. Well, let, let me rephrase that. Mm -hmm. They're out, they are allowing remote work for employee functions that are an integral part of operations simply because of infection. Now, in terms of outsourcing, uh, marketing is a big one. Mm. Um, logistics, delivery of their product. Uh, some businesses actually are outsourcing the core manufacturing of their product. Um, so pretty much any function in your business can be outsourced to another business. It's just a, a judgment of, is that the best fit for our situation and for our company and our product and our customers? Sure. Oh, absolutely. Um, so I know we talked a little bit before, before too, Kate, about, um, you know, maybe trends that you see, you know, coming in as we kind of get out of the pandemic a little bit here, what do you see small businesses, the trends that they've, you know, maybe, um, started to put into their businesses, maybe, maybe staying, maybe something that, you know, uh, obviously with zoom and, and things like, you know, what we're doing today, you know, mm -hmm. I see that maybe in some ways not stay, I mean, staying in is part of our day to day in some ways too. Um, but what do you see? What are you seeing uh, from your clients that, um, that might be something that's is new that are a trend that you see staying put as part of normal day to day business once we get through, you know, through the pandemic? I think once we get through the pandemic, we are all going to be much more cognizant of infection control. Mm. And uh, I think that a lot of the social distance, dis distancing measures that we're taking will continue. I don't think we're going to be wearing masks forever, sure. but um, sure. I think that we may be doing things like providing more workspace per employee, mm. uh, possibly uh, providing more bathroom facilities for employees so that not everyone is using the same bathroom. Mm. Um, possibly utilizing infection control contractors to come in and clean uh, 
more than your standard janitorial service, but to actually disinfect um, at a deeper level. I think that we will see businesses more cognizant, cognizant of clutter in their offices because mm. clutter tends to, you know, collect dust and that's sure. not a healthy environment. Um, I think that we will see businesses much more supportive of employees' uh, wellness initiatives. And we may even see an element of bullying <laughs> to mm. a certain extent. If, if we see, you know, I, I can envision some businesses looking at some employees and saying, you know, you need to get on the program, you need to be healthier, and maybe getting a little too intrusive in those choices. Mm. Um, Interesting. I hope that doesn't happen, but, you right. know, humans being human, sometimes these things do. Sure, um, sure. So that's really what, what I see happening. I, I think that the remote work um, is going to continue. Um, I, I think too. that a lot of employees, because they, they have been forced to homeschool, I think some people are going to decide that that is the right choice for them and that's become a, going to become a more prevalent trend. And employees are going to want to be able to stay home so that they, think they can homeschool their children. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. That's great, great info. Uh, Kate, how does someone get a hold of you if they're interested in working with you and Alliance Pro Advisors? How do they, well, how does someone reach you? Well, I have a website, uh, allianceproadvisors.com. Uh, and my toll-free number is 1-800-989-2047. Fantastic. Well, Kate, thank you so much for your time today. Excellent information. Um, I know that um, you're an expert in this field and um, uh, anyone that works with you would be in great hands. So certainly appreciate your time and look forward to having you on again. Thank you, Brian. I so enjoyed being here. Thank you for listening to the Essential HR Podcast. Be sure to tune in next week where we discuss HR topics and trends facing today's nonprofit organization.